Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. president ran on, most importantly, did not run on defunding the police. He's always opposed defunding the police. A really fine line, making the people feel like we're helping them while we're actually destroying them. You know what? Why don't we just tell the people that defund the police was all a Republican idea? There's a lot of coverage out there of it being us. Meh, doesn't matter. The people will remember what I tell them to remember. Okay, so defund the police was a Republican idea. This could work. And then you can recommend reinstating the police and be a hero. Yes. If anyone questions it, I'll just call out the fact checkers to censor it. You are so good. I prefer evil versus good, but up is down these days. in more healthcare settings and respond to hotspots. The president will outline five areas his team is focused on to get more Americans vaccinated. One, uh, targeted community-by-community door-to-door outreach to get remaining Americans vaccinated by ensuring they have the information they need on how both safe and accessible the vaccine is. Two, a renewed emphasis on getting the vaccines to more primary care doctors and physicians, something that we've seen. Question on Nicole Hannah-Jones, who passed up a position at UNC, will be teaching down the road at Howard. Um, she said this morning that it's a protest, the threat of legal action, um, all this just to get to a 9-4 vote. What does Biden make of the UNC process and her decision? And is this an example of the systemic racism that he promised to heal? Well, I have not spoken with the president about the decision on tenure by, uh, by the institution in North Carolina. I will say that the students at Howard are quite lucky to have her as a professor. And- Mr. President, let me know if I can ask you a question. Sure. <laughs> right now, sir? Yeah. Uh, with the most recent hack by the Russians, would you say that this, this means We're not that- sure it's the Russians. Okay. I spot most- gunning. Okay. I got a brief- on the, as I was on the plane, that's why it was late getting off the plane. I got a brief and, uh... All right. Would you like your receipt? Uh, I'll be in better shape to talk to you about it. You're not getting in, uh, Rocky Road. Rocky Road? And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It's the 8th of July here of our Lord. And God, that's a hot fucking mess. Good to know he doesn't get Rocky Road, but that he gets briefings 
And he literally has to check notes to answer those questions. I'm so glad Mean Guy Tweets is gone. I mean, the one thing about him, he was a jackhole, but at least he could talk off the cuff. That kind of gave me, like Obama did, about anybody did. It gave you that feeling of comfort that the President of the United States wasn't a fucking invalid. But yeah, yeah, that's good. Good stuff. So... We're going to close the loop today on July 4th because there's a lot more hate coming down. That's why I always do the show the day of or the day prior to July 4th and then after. Because it's two for one for the fucking pieces of shit that hate America. We're going to cover some more 1-6, some more violence in our country, a lot of CRT, and a lot of unhappy things. Being I got a lot of comments off my last one, yeah, I, I was pretty angry, sure. I think there's a lot to be angry about. That doesn't mean I'm going to go invade buildings or become a tower shooter, Dennis, in New York. That's not my deal. It's just hard not to be angry. It's just very hard. When this symbol right here is now evil and they've taken it away from us on purpose, yeah, yeah that, that pretty much makes anybody angry. But... The overriding theme we will have, as we do on every one of our shows, is that our media is hot fucking garbage. And that all this stuff, like, okay, let's just go through the litany of what we just talked about. They're still playing that stupid shit that they they didn't defund. We're sending people door to door. And you know where they're going to go for COVID shots. They're going to go to white neighborhoods, not the minority neighborhoods that only have 25% of their people, even with one shot. I mean, they have done a horrible job once again. But I have a great soundbite we're going to get today of literally just a great soundbite from an African-American, the Gutfeld Show, that really sums up. In fact, let's just play it right now. There should be, should I have a list of things I can't say to you? Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I mean, the buffet I, I mean, joke was one of them. <laughs> yes. I, I don't know. She makes her write it and he's mean to her, so who knows? Um, <laughs> the idea that if I drop my child off at school and the teacher kneeled down to the other students and said, listen, you can't tell little Tyrus he's short. And you, you can't tell him he's not good at catching the ball. You can't tell him anything he does wrong because he can't handle it because, well, he's black. Mm-hmm. I would whoop that teacher's ass in the parking lot. <laughs> Imagine me coming to work and I see a list and Kat's like, huh? <laughs> What's on that paper? Things I can't say to you that might trigger your savage responses. Yeah. Oh, oh shoot. Like, this what? was one like, of them. Yeah. <laughs> You ask me about my day, because who knows what a Negro's going to say when you ask him about his day. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, drug dealing was a little off. And then by the time I, by the time I didn't raise my kids, I, I showed up 15 minutes late for here. So uh, I'm just going to go grab some watermelon and some orange drink, and I'll be in the back. Do something. What the hell? Is, in its sense, the most racist you could say would be, please don't say this to this group of people, because they can't handle it. Yeah. We have to take care of them. They're like children. we got to raise them. Mm-hmm. I'm good with Jeb just calling me the N-bomb as he drives away in his truck. <laughs> then I would deal with that, having to deal with that. I mean, yeah. that's just, mm. it's pathetic. Mm. If you don't watch Greg Gunfeld, I challenge you today to go to YouTube and watch yesterday's show. Some interesting things in there. Now, some of it's self-serving for me. 
because for about three years, four years, I have called intersectionality a religion. And I have said that if I was a black man, I'd be pissed off the way they fucking talk about people. And guess what? That's just what Tyra says. And they cover some great stuff on January 6th, so give it a watch. Um, He just sums it up. It it is overriding on everything that what you would say if a Republican said it is not what you say when a Democrat says it. Now, you know, this moment alone, Mr. I'm-gotta-check-my-notes. I mean, for fuck's sake— but that wasn't the worst. I, I'm old enough to remember 2020 and that the Mount Rushmore was racist and the president was doing a patriotic thing and they just picked it apart. This is Philip Masterson Wigman. Biden quotes the preamble to the declaration, the all men created equal bit. Then the president says, well, we never fully lived up to those words. We have never given up on them. Over the past year, we've lived through some of our darkest days. Now I truly believe, I give my word as a Biden, we're about to see our greatest future. President Biden, Kyle Griffin, these are all dem- these are all Dems, which I mean uh, media people. Now I truly believe, I give my word as a Biden, I truly believe we're about to see our brightest future. As a Biden, I give my word as a Biden. That is unfiltered, unadulterated cringe. But the point is, if this was the Trump administration, it would be not that nice video I played. On our airwaves would be him saying, as long as we get to 70%, you can have 4th of July. We, we never even touched it. We blamed racists. We didn't talk about the black people that haven't been inoculated. No, we didn't talk about that. We just blamed racism, and, and they just skipped it. That speech, all his speeches, which were horrible, I watched them, were horrible, mumbly mouth bullshit. The override, but the pre, they would end it well. The president said we're not supposed to be having Fourth of July today. Look at all those people that aren't aren't masked. This is just horrible. We're all gonna die. That that's what we would have done, but we didn't. We just let it go because he's Biden. He's a Democrat. They're Democrats. It all works out. A guy I follow is Zuby, and this came up on a thread, and I, I just really thought it was really good to start the show, so I'm going to do it. 20 things I've learned or had confirmed about humanity during the pandemic. Most people would rather be in the majority than be right. At least 20% of the population has strong authoritarian tendencies, which will emerge under the right conditions. Fear of death is only rivaled by the fear of social disapproval. The latter could be stronger. Propaganda is just as effective in the modern day as it was 100 years ago. Access to limitless information has not made the average person any wiser. Anything and everything can and will be politicized by the media, government, and those who trust them. And that is the most amazing statement I've seen for somebody in a while because it's deadly true it's just deadly true look what happened just jesse smollett look how they, they never recanted any of that eight once they have made up their mind most people would rather to commit to being wrong than admit they were wrong humans can be trained and conditioned quickly and relatively easily to significantly alter their behaviors for better or for worse 
When sufficiently frightened, most people will not only accept authoritarianism, but demand it. And that that is so true. It's just so true. People who are dismissed as conspiracy theorists are often well-researched and simply ahead of the mainstream narrative. And that's been everything in Trump. Everything. Most people value safety and security more than freedom and liberty, even if said safety is merely an illusion. Hedonotic adaptions occur in both the direction and once inertia sets in, it is difficult to get people back to normal. A significant percentage of people thoroughly enjoy being subjugated. I love that statement because it's really, really true that they're like kids. We've become kids again. We need somebody telling us what to do. And I think Democrats are just the biggest kids on the planet. They just have to be told what to do. They want the government from cradle to grave to take care of them. I mean, just cradle to grave. The science has evolved into secular pseudo-religion for millions of people in the West. This religion has little to do with science itself. Most people care more about looking like they're doing the right thing rather than actually doing the right thing. Politics, the media, science, and healthcare industries are all corrupt to varying degrees. Scientists and doctors can be bought as easily as politicians. If you make people comfortable enough, they will not revolt. You can keep millions docile as you strip their rights by giving them money, food, and entertainment. So true. Modern people are overly complacent and lack vigilance when it comes to defending their own freedoms from government overreach. It's easier to fool a person than to convince them that they've been fooled. Most people are fairly compassionate and have good intentions. As a result, most people deeply struggle to understand that some people, including our leaders, can have malicious or perverse intentions, this is bad. And he's so right. But that'll never be heard because he's got the wrong ideology. And any other time on Twitter, as a black person, that would be fortified. We would see it everywhere. It'd be a trend. Mm -mm. I found it my line and then so did a website I frequent. And nothing is more obvious than now. And the amazing thing is the usual July 4th isms are when a Republican is is office, America's a garbage fire. When a Democrat's in office, America is awesome. But they have been so garbage fire for so long, they can't help it. They just can't help themselves. The United States cannot afford to politicize patriotism. It's an article from the Federalists, and it's so true. But as you're about to see on this media jerk-off of the week, my God, these fucking people. I am a politic, the media jerk-off of the week.
wanted to get a few final thoughts on this Independence Day from our roundtable. And Elsie, I want to start with you. This is a day of celebrating our nation's independence. We've come so far since a little more than a year ago. A quick assessment, though, of where you see us as a nation today, a divided nation still. Uh, I think about the more than 250 anti-LGBTQ bills that have been introduced this year alone. Many of them targeting uh, transgender youth, children. So I feel as long as we have elected officials who are willing to use children as political pawns to gain points, who are willing to use the country's most vulnerable to gain points, we'll always have this division. That's where we need to start addressing that. And Mary? I think that people need to remember that what's throwing gasoline on the fire for those who are angry at each other and angry at the government is income inequality. The rich are getting richer and they're more homeless. And when you have 50 of the richest people have as much wealth as 165 million Americans, people think it's unfair. And I think that restoring what America was, that it was a magnet for the ambitious, I think that would go a long way to mitigating some of the divisions. I mean, when you think about it, it's bombs bursting in air, rockets, red glare. It's all kinds of, you know, a lot of national anthems are that way, too, all kinds of military jargon. And the land, there's only one phrase, the land of the free, which is kind of nice, and the home of the brave. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I get I mean, that part yeah, of it. Are we the only ones who are brave on the planet? I mean, all the brave people live here. <laughs> I mean, it's just stupid, I think. I, I'm embarrassed every time. I'm embarrassed every time I hear it. I decided to put on my flag pin tonight the first time. Until now, I haven't thought it necessary to display a little metallic icon of patriotism for everyone to see. Well, I put it on to take it back. The flag's been hijacked and turned into a logo, the trademark of a monopoly on patriotism. On those Sunday morning talk shows, official chests appear adorned with the flag as if it is the good housekeeping seal of approval. And during the State of the Union, did you notice Bush and Cheney wearing the flag? How come? No administration's patriotism is ever in doubt, only its policies. And the flag bestows no immunity from error. When I see flags sprouting on official lapels, I think of the time in China when I saw Mao's little red book on every official's desk, omnipresent and unread. But more galling than anything are all those moralistic ideologues in Washington sporting the flag in their lapels while writing books and running websites and publishing magazines attacking dissenters as un-American. I put it on to remind myself that not every patriot thinks we should do to the people of Baghdad what bin Laden did to us. An Olympian called Gwen Berry caused some controversy at the U.S. Olympic trials when she turned her back while the national anthem was being played. Protest is the very definition of patriotism. It basically is the f basis of the country. They were protesting the, at the Tea Party, and, and in the 60s, the people protested the Vietnam War, which brought it to an end. And, uh, and now uh, uh, African Americans are protesting you know, the, the fact that people do not want to face the racist past here. She's basically doing her patriotic duty by saying, I am making a, a point here. That's all she's doing. She's right. not hurting anybody. Gwen Berry is representing the country. She's questioning an American anthem that maybe doesn't represent all people in the country.
Well, the, one of the days in, in the upcoming days, we'll play you the American anthem and let you see what you think of it. Because there's some stuff in there that makes it a little bit tough to take. It is, I think, very difficult to talk about the war dead and the fallen without invoking valor, without invoking the words heroes. Um, and I, I, why do I feel so comfortable about the word hero? I feel comfortable, uncomfortable about the word hero because it seems to me that it is so rhetorically proximate to justifications for more war. <laughs> um, and I don't want to obviously desecrate or disrespect the memory of anyone that's, that's fallen. And obviously there are individual circumstances in which there is genuine and tremendous heroism of, you know, hail of gunfire and rescuing fellow soldiers and things like that. But it seems to me that we, we marshal this word in a way that um, is problematic, but maybe I'm wrong about it. He is not randomly attacking these players. He is attacking them because they're kneeling during the national anthem. And the national anthem is not a white supremacist symbol. And the president has become the his white, some of the words of the national anthem yeah. are, are, are you, you white supremacists. The, you think the national anthem is I think racist? This is a, I think this is a country whose history is racist, whose history is steeped in white supremacy, and the anthem reflects that in its, in its well, very it's words. it's also a nation with very important ideals that have worn down those injustices so over time and created a more just so society. Ask, and people have died under that flag under, for those ideals. Understood. My so, father and my can, grandfather uh, among those who served. You can yeah. have opinions, you know, Know, about policing and whatnot, but don't disrespect so the flag. So is it disrespect to, 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 to take a knee and respectfully sit there? I mean, he's not turning his back on the flag. He's not burning it. He's not dragging it through uh, the dirt. What's disrespectful about what he's doing? We stand. He just takes two, it takes two minutes but to pay choose. that respect to our anthem and to our flag so I mean, and to question, all the sacrifices. But the, and talk about that. This is really going to continue. I was on Long Island this weekend uh, visiting a really dear friend. And I was really disturbed. I saw, you know, dozens and dozens of pickup trucks with, uh, you know, uh, explicatives against Joe Biden uh, on the back of them, yep. uh, Trump yep. flags, and some cases just dozens of American flags, which, you know, uh, is also just disturbing because essentially the message was clear. It was, this is my country. This now, that's a hodgepodge of old and new and old and new. And it's for a reason. Me and the wife were driving yesterday. We had to go because financial situations. You know, every time you get comfortable um, when you're on a fixed income, when you're back to being poor, and as people have followed the show, there was a time, man, I was big money, everything was great in my life, and it all kind of fell, fell apart when my company got hammered by the DOJ for no reason and then fell apart and got sold twice and I was unemployed. It sucked. And then the wife got unemployed because COVID. It sucked. But unlike others, we have constant income because I served 20 years and I'm disabled. And so basically I am kind of one of those snap people. You know, I, I live on the government dole, but on, in my mind, I think, well, you know, I, I earned this. It's not like I'm just asking for freebies. Well, washer, dryer, water, everything goes to shit. And we decided to refinance the car. And that would cut the payment in half and give us a little buffer. While I'm still applying for jobs, every day I apply for a job, I don't get callbacks. I've stripped my my resume to just, I did this. I, I, I got skills and a cover letter. I don't care where I work. I don't have an ego. 
And I hope I, I land jobs. I really do. Because I'd like to get the last few things out and stockpile back up. Because the savings is getting destroyed. So we were driving out to go get a lien notarized. Now to get that letter, to get it back old good old USAA. And let them take over the loan from some credit union that I've never even heard of. It was a good interest rate. That's why I took it when we bought the wife's car. And it came to both of us, and we both kind of said it simultaneously, that our entire life we have been trained to hate this country. I had woke up hearing that song by Felice, uh, what's his name, uh, the Felice Navidad guy, Jose, uh, Jose, oh, come on, Tony. You, your brain's got to work at six. It's seven in the morning, so I should be a lot better off than usual. Feliz Navidad. Who the hell is that? Jose Feliciano. So he had done a new song. It was on um, uh, Fox in their 4th of July thing. When we went to bed, we kind of fast-forwarded, watched fireworks, and went to sleep on July 4th. And... You know, I kind of like the song. I don't like the, you know, the the ending. I'm a Puerto Rican American. I, I just once again, I'm, I could do that. I'm a Greek American. I'm a German American. I mean, every person that came here came here on a boat, Ellis Island, and came in, and we were the melting pot. I am a melting pot. I am all part. I'm Baltic Russian. I'm Greek. I'm Irish. I'm Norwegian. We're just, we're the melting pot. But I don't claim any of that stuff. But the song was in there, and for some reason when I looked it up, there was a 1968 issue, or a, a incident. And he had sang a, what I think to be a beautiful rendition of the National Anthem. But at the time, he had changed the melodies, and he had played it on a guitar and there was outrage. You got taken off the air. Vets, literally what the media was doing, because that was during We Hate America, just like we're in now. Um, they were saying vets were throwing their shoes at the TV, and they were just shocked. And he was the first person to ever do a different rendition. Just opposed to this weekend watching the race at Road America and this little girl gets up and she does a voice rendition of the National Anthem. It was horrible. I mean, just horrible. His was pretty. Hers was blasphemous. I mean, I thought it was horrible. But all of me, oh, what a great rendition, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, our whole lives, we have been trained to hate the country. That's what the media does. That's what the left does. They've always hated America. They hate the sins of the past. Now, I know in my heart, most of them aren't stupid to realize, like this jackhole, Torre, that he's got the greatest country in the world because he can write down, black people are critical to America moving closer to living up to its promises, but it's still, fuck the 4th July for me. Fuck Independence Day. Not only were we not free, the whole reason the colonies wanted independence because Britain was moving towards abolishing slavery. Why would black people celebrate a day so wrapped up in our enslavement? My latest blog, From the Grio. And I'm just going to say outright, because we're in a stupid time that has been accelerated by the twice-elected black president whose whole purpose was this shit, 
He just wasn't so boisterous. And he installed it in every one of our institutions. So now that every institution is CRT and intersectionality, every corporation for profit is into it because it's their way to get away with their sins. They can do whatever they want because they're woke. We're in some weird times that you can make up history. I've said it a million times on the show. The left always rewrites history. I mean, that's just what they do. If they didn't like a person, he's a garbage fire after they die. And the history books are written by liberals. So it's always negative connotations of America. But that's so factually untrue because at Plymouth Rock there were no fucking slaves. But, you know, whatevs, whatevs, we can sling this out. A guy responding, quick explainer, this is 1619 Project Level, thinking the whole reason the colonies want independence, blah, blah, blah. That has been debunked by historians across the board and even corrected in the project itself. The Atlantic. During the weeks and months after the 1619 project first appeared, historians publicly and privately began expressing alarm over serious inaccuracies. The project's lead essay written by Times staff writer Nicole Hannah-Jones included early on a discussion of the revolution. Although the discussion is brief, its conclusions are central to the essay's overarching contention that slavery and racism are the foundation of American history. The essay argues that one of the primary reasons, and that's the most important thing right there, the essay. It's not real. One of the primary reasons the colonies decided to declare their independence was Britain because they wanted to protect institutions of slavery. By 1776, Britain had grown deeply conflicted over the role in barbaric institutions and had reshaped the Western Hemisphere, she wrote. But apart from the activity of the pioneering abolitionist Granville Sharp, Britain was hardly conflicted at all in 1776 over its involvement in the slave system. Sharp played a key role in securing the 1772 Somerset versus Stuart ruling, which declared that Charter chattel slavery was not recognized in English common law. That really did little, however, to reverse the Britain de- devotion to human bondage, which lay almost entirely in the colonial slavery and its heavy involvement in the lactic slave trade. Nor did it generate a movement inside Britain to opposition to either slavery or slave trade. As the historian Christopher Leslie Brown writes in the authoritarian study, authoritative study, against the institution of slavery ever within the British Empire after 1772. But for many years in England, he would stand nearly alone. What Hannah Jones describes as a perceptible British threat to American slavery in 1776, in fact, did not exist. Eminent Princeton historian writes a very brutal critique of 1619. And the long-continuing battle against oppression of every kind and insistence on plain and accurate facts has been a powerful tool against propaganda that is widely accepted in truth. That tool is far too important to seed now. But they can write that stuff. Whole article. I'm not reading it. It, it is more the same. I tried to download this about 30 times because there's a lady on here. Well, let's see if I can get the volume up. Where's the volume? Internet that's just wrong. Point blank, period. Should we celebrate the 4th of July? For example, you might have seen this tweet about July 4th. Juneteenth is so lame. Democrats really need to stop trying to repackage segregation. I'll be celebrating July 4th and July 4th only. I'm American. That's a black woman, Candace and Owens. She's the one that did that. Energy is we're going to spend on her today. First and foremost, 
Ain't nothing lame about Juneteenth. Juneteenth been lit for over a century and a half. And that's when we shut this off. Yeah, it was in Texas. Thank you very much. But we allow it. We elected a BLM member. When they say that the 4th of July is about American freedom, remember this. The freedom they're referring to is for white people. This land is stolen land and black people still aren't free. Then how are you allowed to say this? Our media won't even cover it. Because they're part of it. They're 100% part of it. Part of those sound bites I got you was from an article that shows this is what they are. Hope you had a happy 4th of July, too. Boston Globe, 1991. Patricia Smith. Oh, say we've seen too much. The Star Spangled Banner pushes like a cough through America's mouth. And the Twilight's Last Gleaming is just that. A sickly flash above our heads as we ride unsuspecting the beliefs of sleek trains, plop our knees in churches, embrace truths that disgust us. One of the sound bites I didn't get. Oh, I did get this one. Respect the anthem equals racism. Now is the part of the debate where you should dump on America. Governor Romney, Daniel Dukovic from Walnut Creek, California, wants to know, what do you dislike most about America? Liberal radio host, it pains me to chant USA in 2012 salon piece. Ringing the bells of Jingism, August 17, 2016, Richard Sandemore, a sports reporter. Embarrassed by the Star-Spangled Banner, you heard it, Bill Press. Despising the stars and stripes, the nations, Katha Pollitt. My daughter goes to Savetta High School, only blocks the World Trade Center, thinks we should fly an American flag on our window. Definitely not, I say. The flag stands for jingoism and vengeance and war. Her kid says, I'm wrong. Then I brainwash her. Red, white, and scary. Dick Meyer commentary posted on October 1st. 2001. A friend of ours, a prominent member of the liberal media, wrote to the head of our kids' school last week suggesting that students spend more time with the Pledge of Allegiance and the Star-Spangled Banner. The principal agreed. Our 10-year-old daughter asked her mother if we could put a flag on our car. My wife reluctantly agreed, but hasn't procured the flag yet. My wife essentially shares our daughter's feelings, but for her, the symbol of the flag was appropriated in her youth by counter-protesters who used it to deny the patriotism of the war's opponents. Flag-waving feels aggressive to her. They are the ones politicizing. They project it with Trumpers. The right's always been about flags. The left hasn't. Bill Moyer, you heard it. Happy Independence Day, America sucks. James Carroll, 2005, Boston Globe. You know what July 4th is? What about July 5th after the fireworks, the music, the rhetoric, freedom, what then? What kind of nation does our flag fly over now? Not a less innocent one, because America's innocence was never the truth. Not one less reluctant to go to war without a good reason. This was the anti-war section. Uh, National anthem is tough to take. You saw it. All about Gwen Berry. Editor, I want to burn the flag. Linda Grist Cunningham, executive editor of the Rockford Register in 2005. The U.S. Senate follows its silly siblings, and the House of Representatives votes for a ban on burning the American flag. I'm going to burn one. It's never occurred to me to burn a flag, except in some flag retiring ceremony. But just the idea that Congress has nothing to do better than to do this burns me. Hmm. Time Magazine, does it still matter? Let's shred the Constitution. 
They've been wanting that forever. Once they started losing elections after, you know, when they lost an election over Obama and they didn't keep total control of everything because they thought the demographics were never going to let white people be elected while they were electing white Democrats. You know, it's the craziest thing in the world, but nobody points it out. They hate the Constitution. Post 9-11 flag waving, sometimes a cousin to intolerance. That was September 4, 2013. Neil Gensinger. Forget about the terse and old founding documents. The Constitution piece of shit, 2012. American Revolution equals monumentalist mistakes. Dylan Matthews, 2015. Triggered by the American flag, we played it. Standing for the National Anthem is an affirmation of American empire. That was 2017. Uncomfortable with calling veteran heroes, played it. July 4th, imperialism, genocide, slavery, played it twice now. We've been indoctrinated by Democrats in the media to hate this country. That's what they want. They can win elections if they make you hate the country. And then you get to the polls. More Americans think founders would consider U.S. a failure than a success. Worse now than under Trump. A new study finds that only about one in three Americans believe the founding fathers considered the nation they founded to be success in Fourth of July weekend. In fact, 41% believe the founders would consider the nation a failure. There's a lot of things the founders wouldn't understand. I, I tip poll, just 36% of young people are proud to be an American. Why would they be? Schools, TV, Hollywood, newspapers, the internet. That's the coolest thing ever. And then you get to the crazy shit. Not in my neighborhood. Resident calls cop because fireworks are called to white supremacy and intimidating to BIPOC. I'm literally so fucking angry right now. I hate the 4th of July. I've called the police on the, all four of my neighbors for using sparkler fireworks in our neighborhood where the HOA banned. And luckily, the cops told me them, them to stop each time. They know me well because I'm constantly having to call them. Fireworks and gun smoke is a literal call to white supremacy and an intimidation technique to BIPOC, not in my neighborhood. The funniest thing about this, all right, funniest thing about it, and I forgot to flip all my shit. Um, oh, Maxine Waters. She's a black lady. She's elected. Look at Look at this shit. She's rich as fuck. If you've been with the show, you know I talked about it. Show up in a limo and watch. Only white men. 17 states have entered voted suppression. Well, oh, Jesus Christ. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fucking fuck, fuck, fuck up. And then you only find so many people that actually push back on this. And I'll get back to my point. Cori Bush, the black female millionaire member of Congress who has her own Netflix documentary, says black people aren't free in America. Got it. The thing where people believe that black women who are successful don't deserve to be and aren't really patriotic proves Bush's point. More move the goalpost. She claims black people aren't free while she's wealthy and in power. I said nothing about patriotism nor her right to have success. You're just making shit up. I mean, your implication were clear, though. I understand why it makes you uncomfortable to have them pointed out. Black people are imprisoned at usually disproportional rates. Are black people in prison free? GOP disenfranchised black people. Are people who can't vote free? You see, you can't even have an argument about the absurdity 
of black people are not in change. The president of the United States right now said it in 20-fucking-12. If you don't vote for us, you'll be back in chains. They can get away with the absurdity of this. The very people who are saying they're so oppressed are millionaires living better than everybody else. X Kendi is a millionaire talking about how there are systemic racism that keeps all black people down. Alyssa Milano, I played it. What the fuck was that? What the fucking fucking fuck was that? It's because I'm on my phone with me and the internet. That's what Twitter wants. That's what Facebook wants. They hate the country. They want you to hate the country. So hating the country is a woke check mark, and you can be cool. So you post anything. I mean, I don't even go to my daughter's during these times. I just stay away from it. Because, yeah, I can still see her. My wife can. But we just don't. Because why? She's got to be cool. That's how she's cool. Shit on the neighborhood. But to my point that I got sidetracked because I went to my slideshow. My wife's watching the fireworks and she goes, I thought they're worried about climate change. Because the Washington, D.C. was pretty good. I woke up the next morning in Nashville. If you want to see a fireworks show, go to Nashville. Just go to fucking Nashville. Sweet Lord on a popsicle stick. That shit was the, uh, I, that was the most fireworks I've ever seen in my life. And I watched it in the morning, like five in the morning, feeding the dogs. I pushed play and I taped the channel two locally, the ABC. And they usually air it. And it was just amazing. But hey, this is the, this to the core, they have to shit on the fourth. Scientists found that vulnerable people and communities of color are disproportionately exposed to air pollution from fireworks. A reply. It never ends with ridiculous headlines about race. Give it a rest. Rust busted out laughing on this one. Honestly, I'm a scientist, and this is beyond ridiculous. Nat Geo, how far you've fallen. I will never buy another one of your stupid magazines. Are you fucking kidding me? But no, they're not. Everybody had to do it. The nation. American exceptionalism is grounded in racism and militarism. While systemic white supremacy and the state's use of violence against people of color in this country is at the forefront of the national debate, the structural racism in U.S. foreign policy has escaped serious scrutiny. Yet the two are deeply and immutably linked as precisely through its brutal history of genocide and slavery that the U.S. government learned to use violence and military force to make white people secure in their positions of privilege and domination at home and abroad. A more ethical, effective, and peaceful approach to the world begins with acknowledging, apologizing for, and making amends for the genocides of Native American people and the enslavement of Africans over many generations. It requires a termination of current U.S. wars, including those conducted by drones, airstrikes, and target assassinations, and the revocation of these open-ended authorizations. It involves significantly reducing the size of the Pentagon budget and parring back the global network of U.S. military bases that serve as springboards for aggression. Only when that happens will the unalienable rights to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness be secured for all. 
This is cool now. Lakota family. Fuck you, America. This is all cool. All fucking cool. And it's all tied into their religion. On seven form, a meditation on the duality of our nation's memory, the heroic part that people want to own and celebrate today, and the ugly past they want to ban and bury. But CRT won't look away. Racism is the evil twin and won't stay locked in the closet. This is long and huge, and I, I'm the head of the school, because we're going to cover this, but we have a big CRT section. Incredibly important piece by Sandy Locks, Randy Weingarten, about why these bans on teaching history and discussing racism and discussion are so dangerous. Our students deserve to have freedom to learn and discuss this in school. Seriously, if you haven't taken your kids out of school, you're, you're a dumbass. Just, you're a dumbass. Here's another one. Statue of Liberty. For fucking ever, for fucking ever, we were told about the plaque by Jim Acosta and CNN. It's so important. Our immigration policy was based on the plaque at the base of Statue of Liberty that was added later. But now, it's got shrinking appeal. Hmm. Yeah. I'm not going to cover the next one. They wouldn't do fireworks. They wouldn't do fireworks here. I'm not even covering it. I I just can't. Top four mainstream media July 4 stories. A flag is bad. America is built on slavery. The USA is an intentional force to evil. How dare those right-wing insurrectionists commit treason against our beloved country? Those were the top stories. It was all gone through Over and over and over and over. Vox. The trend is clear. Teenage boys and young men hurt themselves with fireworks way more than everyone else. Duh! Are you sure? But once again, we geld men. Men can't be alpha. Don't you fucking be aggressive or have any backbone. You need to be a beta. Sexism. Hater, Fox stuck with regular programming instead of airing Biden's patriotic America's coming back speech. That's a lie. Curious if Biden rapped, and when I tweeted this out, Fox showed Biden's speech on tape during the 4th of July special. Curious, are you implying that your earlier tweet was so damaging that Fox decided to change the programming and show the tape 4th of July celebration? If Brian Seltzer tweets something, everything after that happened because Brian Seltzer tweeted it. They just saved it for the special. And they started with the speech because I watched it. I watched it. It was the only network that was doing something patriotic. Over on fucking MSDNC was about Tulsa. Specials on Tulsa. Nobody knew about until that fucking movie. I talked about it on the show. Go back and watch it. I was in shock. I didn't even know what the fuck it was. I mean, for fuck's sake, man. You can't even make this shit up. You just can't. Byron York, to note, on the 4th of July holiday, the Freedom Tower built to replace the Twin Tower in New York stands precisely 1,776 feet tall, where it's designed today, of course, it would be 1,619 feet. And that is... The tweet of the day. 
columns, the new news media versus the flag-wagging weirdos. It covers everything I just covered. And then we have what the media, FBI, NSA, nobody seems to care about. Black Lives Matter Utah chapter. When we black Americans see this flag, we know the person flying is not safe to be around. When we see this flag, we know the person flying it is a racist. When we see this flag, we know that the person flying it lives in a different America than we do. When we see this flag, we question your intelligence. We have want no to we know to avoid you. It is a symbol of hatred. They've taken the flag. Because they take everything. We were told that white supremacists had taken over the Betty Ross flag, the Gatson flag, all these flags. We we were told all this. Do, Do you remember? Now they have taken over the American flag. And if you fly the American flag, if you like the American flag, you're a piece of shit. The the most amazing thing about all this is they won't even really expound upon how BLM and Antifa have beat people, vandalized homes, done all sorts of shit just because they had a fucking flag on the front of it. And, And don't think it's not by design my wife and I were right our entire lives because we were born in 67 and 68 respectively has been groomed to hate this country at every turn there is some article segment just fucking do the math on it man This is what they want. They want you to hate the country. They want you to hate it. Because if you hate the country, you're more apt to vote for them. And I think when you really tear it down, and it's going to be just kind of crazy that I'm going to go this route. This is the problem with everything in America, and it comes from Tim Allen. Hola, amigos. Mike Baxter here for Outdoor Man. Miguel Baxter aquí para el hombre de las ventanas. <laughs> it's already annoying, isn't it? Imagine seven straight hours of that, and you'll get an idea of what it's like in some public school. Please, no cards and letters. Don't get me wrong. I am all for immigration. It's what made this country great. Assimilation. (laughs) But the melting pot won't work. Government makes it easy not to melt. Let me stir the pot a little. Ah, right there. That's a little German sausage. Italian cheeses. Grazie. Prego. (laughs) Swedish meatballs. And okra from West Africa. Yum, yum. They're all blended nicely. You know what this tasty gumbo could use is cilantro. Hmm. Unfortunately, with the help of bilingualism, the cilantro is all clumpy together right over there. 
That's no bueno for the gumbo. No bueno for the cilantro and no bueno for our country. So let's stop making it harder for new cultures to mix in to the American stew. Mmm. It tastes like This is what they want. It used just to be illegal immigration. If you don't assimilate them and keep them compartmentalized, keep them disgruntled, they're going to vote for us. We just keep them over there and we push it over to everybody. Da-da-da-da-da. Now it's black people, BIPOC, gay. If there's anything we've learned about the left, they will do whatever they can to keep people separated and not assimilated. Because if we're all the same, working towards common goals, they lose. So they don't have Orange Man bad. They need to find other Orange Man bad. <clears throat> so now they go, well, is anybody with the flag? Is anybody who wears camouflage? Is anybody that does this? Is anybody that does that? It's non-stop to demonize something. And January 6th, my God, they won't let it go, but they damn sure don't want to talk about the violence done by Biden voters. We are uh, on Interstate 95 in Massachusetts near uh, exit 57, mile marker 57.4. Uh, they specified in the news that we're anti-government, but we're not. We're not anti-government. We're not anti-police. We're not sovereign citizens. We're not black identity extremists. Uh, has specified multiple times to the police that uh, we're abiding by the peaceful journey laws of the United States, uh, federal courts. A dramatic video out of Harper Woods tonight shows a public safety officer putting himself in harm's way to rescue a man from a burning car on I-94. Local 4 defender Sean Lay had a chance to speak with that officer. And Sean, before he got there, he didn't even realize anybody was trapped in that car. That's why we're behind the wheel, actually. You're right, Officer Luke Pauley. We just got through speaking with him a short time ago. He was responding to a rollover accident on I-94. The car was on fire. When he got there, he did not know someone was trapped inside that car. He ran up. It's all caught on camera. What exactly he did next. The local four defenders will put you behind the wheel of a Harper Woods police cruiser. You are seeing what Officer Luke Pauley is seeing. He's rushing up to a car that rolled over on I-94 at Maras. The call was for a car on fire. There was no word that the driver was trying. So we get this straight, is that we're actually seeing a decline in homicides and shootings. Bullshit. 92 shot, 16 dead, and six were kids since Friday. Stop lying. And since Friday night, 92 people have been shot. 16 of those people have died. Those shot include six children and teenagers and two CPD supervisors. Dane Placco is live out. San Jose, California has passed a new gun law that's the first of its kind in the nation. Now, get this. The law requires gun owners to have liability insurance, to pay an annual fee to help curb the cost of gun violence. The bill was proposed in the wake of the shooting at the Santa Clara County Valley Transportation Authority that left nine people dead back in May. Joining us now to analyze this is CNN Early Start anchor Laura Jarrett. Laura, 
This is a really interesting, innovative policy suggestion by the San Jose mayor. How would it work? So super interesting, novel, first of its kind, as you said, and of course, as you might imagine, very controversial yes. already, right? So the best way to think about this, I think, as you and I were discussing in the break, is think about car insurance. In, in Philadelphia, 4th of July weekend, in the cradle of our nation, in the birthplace of our democracy, was celebrated with a white supremacist march. 200 white males in hoods with smoke bombs, some carrying shields, some carrying... I start with the fact that this was live streamed. The media saw it. They knew it was black people, but they still rolled with it's white supremacist. And once again, it may sound racist to say black people, but the point is every time there's violence, the left, aka the media, want to capitalize on it. I showed that short clip of an officer saving somebody. You don't see that. I showed the clip of Nemas Marcus. Everything's leaving San Francisco and the West Coast. It's all coming away. It's falling apart because they don't want to do anything anymore. And then you see ABC News just in. Number of Americans seeing crime as an extremely serious problem in the United States is at a more than a 20-year high. President Joe Biden is underwater in trade and trust to handle it, according to new ABC News Washington Post poll. Hmm. This guy decides to go, and what CNN and many are using are 2019 stats, which don't count. It's these stance. 2021 has been the violent year in Indianapolis, and number back up the belief. 2020 was a record-breaking year for violent crimes in Indianapolis. 2021 is going to break it. South LA homicides of 150%. South L.A. victims shot up 742%. Yes, you read that right. Violent crime is exploding. At the Atlantic, Princeton U sociologist and Princeton SBIA professor Patrick Charkey about the 2020 uptick of violent crime. I talked to Princeton sociologists. And not just the mass shootings, 2020 had the most gun deaths of a year in U.S. history and was, on per capita basis, the most violent year in the century. Why? Guns. This was sick. It was all weekend. All weekend, it was a tote board. But she says crime's going down. Just remember that. Crime's going down. If you don't believe that, you're racist. 26 people shot in NYC. No coverage. Articles just kept coming. 82. 91, it's over 100 on some of them, so it's really hard to tell which one's which. Excerpts from leaked audio from me between Chicago mayor and the city council as chaos swept the city on Sunday, May 31st. There are her two-minute opening remarks. It's all over the city. Looters are in armed combat with the police. It's going to take a Herculean effort to part of all of us to convince businesses not to disappear to come back. Command, commandeering buses use the trains that were operational travel from neighborhood to neighborhood. They're shooting at the police. They kicked off with about 40 guys in a dispensary parking lot. The business owners are sit, sitting there with fucking shotguns in their hands. In this excerpt, somebody continues, they're shooting. They're shooting like it's a wild fucking west. It's crazy. I have over 10 videos of people shooting at other people, and it's insane. Like broad daylight, they're just shooting. Life would describe the situation outside Chicago, including the suburbs, and major cities around the country. Whether we brought in the U.S. military, the National Guard, the Air Force, there's just not enough resources. 
I'd play it, but you know what they know. But it's politics, because we're doing this. Overwhelmingly peaceful. That that's that's uh, you had Keith Oberman. I excerpted the fuck out of it because now people are starting other than mega the Ashley Babbitt stuff. What the fucking fuck? What the fucking fuck? Why don't we know anything about that? Why was she shot? Because now people have seen the fucking videos. Another Oberman. We don't have taxpayer funding at NPR. CPP funding prominent public television and radio stations and their programs. CPP funded stations reach virtually every household in the United States. They are so ignorant. They don't even know what the fuck they're talking about. It is so frustrating to see those people with prominent voices, the Milanos, and you just stare at them like, get the fuck out of here. Clyburn shows what this is all about. House Majority Whip Clyburn says on CNN, the January 6th Select Committee could demand Trump come and testify. That's all it's about. They need to get bad man bad back in here. Get orange man bad in there. We're good to go. We can cover up all the violence. We don't have the, yeah, nope. We're good. We can deflect off that we have emboldened people to be criminals because we've said if you got a D behind your name, you can be a douchebag. If you got an R behind your name, you go to jail forever. It's nationwide. 400 people are in jail for trespassing. 10,000 were charged. The last I saw, 30 people actually went to jail. That's it. Because then the Biden administration got in there and they released all of them. Dropped the charges. Six months after the January 6th riot, the U.S. Capitol Police is planning to expand operations outside Washington in an effort to better protect lawmakers, beginning with the opening of field offices in California and Florida. I'm building up to the case. It's coming. This is the case. This shit. Before I read this, this is why we have our second jerk off of the week. They talk like this on TV about Republican. I am a Republican, the media jerk off of the week. So hot. Today, first state in the nation is going to declare a disaster emergency on gun violence. Among other things, New York State will now require large police departments to submit data on shootings to track hotspots. In many major cities nationwide, homicides are surging, up 33% in Los Angeles compared to 2019. It's important at this moment, especially to strengthen the nation's oldest civil rights law, as voting rights is... I don't know what you call it, collapsed. As policing is held up, um, there's a call for reparations. There's so many things that the Congressional Black Caucus is trying to push forward with Mm -hmm. their agenda, as well as issues. These issues seem to be more civil rights and humanitarian versus policy. Is this president concerned at this time 
about that. And does he think that this will bring more attention to those issues? Also, in light of uh, KKK members and white supremacists uh, marching in Philadelphia over the weekend on 4th of July. Well, I would say first, April, that, as you know, because you've covered it closely, um, one of the president's key priorities, one of the key pillars of his presidency is racial equity and, and updating and addressing what he feels are systemic issues in how we govern and in society. And uh, I would say uh, to touch on a couple of the things that you've noted, um, one on voting rights. Um, Choose your own reality culture is pervading every corner of American life. Choose your own reality. If you want to believe that the pro-Trump riots of January 6th were instigated by the feds, you can choose a show that claims that is true. You can choose a TV star who claims it's real. If you want to believe the NSA is reading your favorite TV star's emails, go right ahead. He claims it's true. The NSA denies it, of course, but for Tucker Carlson's fans, that's just further proof of the plot. Carlson is a conspiracy monger, but he's far from the first. As my colleague Oliver Darcy pointed out this week, Carlson is sounding more and more like InfoWars host and notorious conspiracy theorist Alex Jones. You can hear the similarities. The NSA has been reading our emails. It's not that I think the government spies on me. Uh, it's admitted that they do. It is a lie to say there are no risks. There are risks in everything, including in getting a vaccine. Everybody's got family that got killed or got sick from a vaccine. So. FBI operatives were organizing the attack on the Capitol on January 6th, according to government documents. It is overwhelming the evidence that criminal elements of the federal government provocateured and staged January 6th. All right, Oliver Darcy is back with me. I think the sound speaks for itself. Is it a stretch to say that Tucker Carlson is the new Alex Jones? Um, uh, David, we heard from the governor of Washington this week talking about climate change as a permanent emergency. So my question is, how, how does the news media cover a permanent emergency? Well, I think being honest that we're already living in a state that would have once seemed to us to be, you know, a state of alarmism and that our storytelling tools need to be commensurate with that fact. We can't shy away from scary projections about the future or the scary facts as we're living them today. I think we also need to start thinking a little harder and be a little clearer in our storytelling that learning to live in this new future, which will continue to get worse, probably considerably worse from here, is not just gonna require decarbonizing, although that's very hard. It's also gonna require us to be building out more resilience, more um, measures of adaptation, and hopefully doing that in a way that promotes some amount of social and climate justice. So it's not just about cutting carbon. It's also about defending ourselves against the impacts of nature, which we're already beginning to see growing more and more intense. Defending ourselves against the impacts of nature. That's, that's a stark way to put it. Uh, what I've noticed, Emily, 10 years ago versus today, there's a lot more climate change coverage on TV. There are a lot more reporters assigned to this beat. So there's been real progress, but is it enough in your view? You know, I think it's really great that we've had progress on this issue, but the fact is that we're just not treating it like the planetary emergency it is. I mean, if Donald Trump decided tomorrow to wage a campaign to make hang Mike Pence a litmus test for the Republican Party, the vast majority of Republican office holders would get behind hanging Mike Pence. Violent white nationalism. I think it's much worse than it was on January 6th. It's to much worse than it was in November. It's much worse after January 6th. And part of the problem is, is because, because there's been no accountability, 
it's given permission to do more of this. What would happen if after 9-11, we had done nothing? We had done nothing. Think about that. If we had done nothing after 9-11. And to me, though there was less loss of life on January 6th, January 6th was worse than 9-11. Joe, I have one word, Benghazi. Benghazi had, in the House alone, six investigations. As Avery pointed out and Molly pointed out, not exactly in line with public opinion. No, of course not, but they don't really care about public opinion, right? If they did, then all of this legislation would be looking at differently. You know, the thing that really frustrates me most is that the justices acknowledge that these new laws does impact minorities. So basically, we're going to say that Cuomo's a hero because he's going to go after guns when he could already been doing it. And that's not the reason there's violence. The reason there's violence is because you've emboldened him because you don't charge people. They have cashless bail. They're released. And we, it was really emotional time. As long as you're a D, as long as you're a prog or Antifa, it's just emotional. You have that whole lie by April Ryan, uh, Tucker Carlson is the new Alex Jones. Yeah, that already came out. He was trying to get an interview with Putin, so he was spied on. So that's not a conspiracy theory. That's actually fact, because he was trying to talk to Putin. The most interesting thing about it is NBC did interview Putin, and I bet you the NSA didn't spy on that correspondence, because they're D's, they're good people. But our federal institutions are woke, so if you're not woke, you you must be a white supremacist. You're an evil person, and we must watch over you like a hawk. Then you see there, none of this violence matters. Climate change matters. Then you have all the litany of January 6th was worse than 3,000 people dying at the World Trade Center. They would hang pence. Voting rights, the last lie, public opinion is that voter ID is what they want. But they didn't say that on fucking this week. Why would they say that? It's alternate reality. So you see all this, which is violence in itself, by their definition, their words are violence. I mean, I only anti i could play literally is of all people reverend al said hey this shit's bad we probably need to start calling out black on black crime but i'm not gonna play it he can go fuck himself he's a piece of shit he causes most of the crime so then you get these articles And if they're going to go on air and lie and do an alternate reality and make January 6th this thing, when everybody who has an IQ of a potato knows they've arrested 400 people, they have more tape, they're going to arrest some more people. Every one of those people are going to lose all the constitutional rights, be locked up 23 hours a day, be re-educated, as we're finding out, have to write emissions that they'll be loyal to the country because they're treating them like Ben, you know, fucking benedict arnold and fascistly doing stuff when all summer the very same people they were financing in this government and letting off 
have the same goals as the people over here. January 6th people wanted to stop the election of the president. BLM people want to burn the country down and start anew. But they're not re-educated. These people are. I mean, do you see where we're living? you see what they're doing? It's all the woke. It's all for power. It's all for political control. You call people that pointed out Alex Jones, conspiracy, QAnon. I don't know any Alex Jones. I never listened to the motherfucker. I I never knew anybody in QAnon. I read some weird tweets on Twitter every once in a while. I didn't know what the fuck that shit was about. I, I didn't believe you should go storm the Capitol. I was never mega. But as an American citizen, I see we have a difference in what anarchy is. This anarchy that literally wants to get rid of the nuclear family, destroy every institution, and make inequity amongst the people so that if you're black or BIPOC, you don't have to suffer consequences for your actions. You get jobs, you get extra money, you get reparations. And if you're white, regardless if you were here when there was slavery or not, like my bloodline and my wife's bloodline, we weren't in the country, you don't get shit. Do you think it will ever end? Do you think they'll ever be happy? There are people that literally say online, take their houses. And they're media members. We should give up our land. Because we're white. And we stole it. Today, we stole it. So then you hear this. Reporters who survived the deadly Capitol riot where five people died in national natural causes, including cystic. Won't go back into the building. Several have sought therapy to deal with trauma. Many still aren't sleeping well. All of the reporters interviewed for this story are worried about the Capitol riot. Won't be a one-off attack. We've been becoming very complacent and thinking the U.S. is different, said Bloomberg News reporter Eric Wasson. It's eerily back to normal, but sometimes I feel like one of those horror movies, like the end of Jaws. Everything feels copacetic on the beach, but you're wondering if there's anything out there. Ginger Gibson, a political editor at NBC News, but covered natural disasters and murder scenes, but this was different. That day, we weren't just observers. We were one of the targets. A lot of us reporters are having tough times with that. I'm still not sleeping like I used to. Even to this day, said PBS NewsHour correspondent Lisa DeJarnes, I became kind of an insomniac. It's my office, the building I love most in the fucking world. I used to call the capital my girlfriend. I've devoted 15 years of my goddamn life to this building, said freelance reporter Matt Laszlo, choking up. Now I don't want to be there. I do remember just feeling unsafe in my house. It occurred to me, like, I wonder if some protesters could show up at my house. I was trying to assess whether there were actually any danger to me and my life and my family. What the fuck do you think the summer of love is? My fucking mother slept with a knife! Because your brown shirts were in the burbs vandalizing houses for the flag they didn't say anything they didn't even do anything they just flew a fucking flag and your people were out there beating people in beaverton oregon
this is the most insane kabuki theater bullshit. But they truly believe this because you, the normal American who believe in God, the flag, a nuclear family, own a gun... You are so scary to these people because they live in a bubble. They don't get out of it. They don't know anybody. You know, anybody who's been the podcast, go back to Paige in Oregon. She never met a vet. She knows nobody that served. She was anti-war protesting while I was getting shot at. Where the nice young lady took a dump on a burning flag. Because burning the flag wasn't enough in Oregon. You had to shit on the burning flag. It is so much bullshit. The next day, I was so angry. So, so angry, said Congressional Reporting Veteran John Brennahan. Anyone who doesn't want to come up here again, I don't blame them at all. Even a little bit. One iota. Glenn Greenwald, who survived the Capitol riot, are still struggling. I used to call the Capitol my girlfriend, he said, choking up. Wow, Matt, hair makes Obama pajama boy look like an extra on Duck Dynasty in comparison. People are just mocking it, because how could you not mock this? How? You weren't getting attacked. They were walking through the hallways. Shaman QAnon guy in the Viking garb was just walking. Here's how Gutfeld cut <laughs> to the monologue. Capitol Hill made them ill. According to Vice News, which apparently still exists, <laughs> folks in the media are struggling with post-traumatic stress disorder caused by the January 6th breach of the Capitol. In fact, some reporters won't even return to the building and others are in therapy. One longtime reporter, meaning he's old, had to retire soon after the attack, and others can't sleep. Uh, maybe they've seen their ratings. One Bloomberg News reporter named Eric Wasson claims he feels unsafe in his house, which is weird because he lives in D.C. where people feel unsafe when they leave their house. <laughs> Apparently seeing a clown in a Viking hat knocking over a bottle of whiteout on Dick Durbin's desk is tantamount to being mauled by ISIS in your kitchen. <laughs> They're more distraught than the Kardashians during a silicon shortage. <laughs> Thank God we haven't had a war on our soil yet. How would they be able to cover it? There'd be a run on scented candles and dream journals. <laughs> but can you blame these poor souls? I mean, when you hear about January 6th, you're convinced it's worse than 9-11. Perhaps it is, but to them. To me, though there was less loss of life on January 6th, January 6th was worse than 9-11 because it's continued to rip our country apart and give permission for people to pursue autocratic means. And so I think we're at a much worse place than we've been. And as I've said, I think to you before, I think we're in the most perilous point in time since 1861 in the advent of the Civil War. He's just bat crazy. <laughs> so, yeah, to him, it was worse than 9-11. Tell it to the families of the 9-11 first responders, you <laughs> Sorry. But that's our media. They've never been good at priorities. A group of largely unarmed housewives and dads walk into the Capitol, and that's somehow worse than three planes flying into buildings, killing thousands. Now, I condemn what happened on January 6th. Early on, I said, when barbarians are at the gate, the Republicans have to be the gates, not the barbarians. 
That day they weren't. But the I wonder what the angry white male thinks. Hey guys, one more time? Sure, why not? This is me. This is my brain. This is the media. This is me watching stories that the media does about themselves. Any questions? Come on, you got some questions, don't you? I'll take questions. He never takes questions. But I wonder what the angry black male thinks. Go to sleep. <laughs> the best advice. The best advice if you can't sleep. So I'm wonder, did, wondering, did any of these reporters experience any psychological trauma during the riots of last year? I mean, other than having to read or watch their own work. But you know who did suffer? Truly, the victims of the riots, the people who owned stores and homes that burned to the ground. But the media seemed a little detached from all that. Who can forget this delightful moment? So I, I, I want to be clear in how I characterize this. This is a mostly a protest. Uh, it is not. Uh, it is not generally speaking unruly. The fires have been started, and, and there's a crowd that is relishing that. <laughs> it's just too easy. The crowds weren't the only ones relishing it. Meanwhile, the crime sprees that followed were denied by deceptive dolts like Don Lemon and Joy Reid. They denied the crime because they or their imaginary friends didn't experience it firsthand. What a great journalism gig. Just report on what personally happens to you, then you never have to do anything. <laughs> so why the hysteria over January 6th, as opposed to the ongoing violence in Portland, Atlanta, San Francisco, L.A., New York, Seattle? Well, the crime spikes couldn't be used politically because of the racial component. But the January 6th mob was whiter than a Dave Matthews fan making snow angels. <laughs> and that is white. So uh, they try to tie it to a phantom white supremacy movement. But let's take a look at this guy from January 6th. Does that guy look like an emblem of white supremacy? <laughs> That's not even blackface. But look at him. It seems like the opposite of supremacy. And he's been in jail for six months. That's way longer than the looters and arsonists who caused billions in damages. Gee, I wonder if shopkeepers feel safe in their homes knowing that this flake is locked up. No actors or politicians bothered to bail him out. And he didn't even set fire to anything. Maybe his worst crime was scaring Nancy Pelosi. But then her eyebrows always look like that. <laughs> Clearly, the guy's unwell, as sick as Matthew Dowd. But no one cares. He's no political hero. He won't be on MSNBC spewing nonsense about 9-11. But not only does the media not care about these suspects, they actually salute rounding them all up. So the media creates a narrative that it's a deadly insurrection caused by the big lie. But the big lie was actually their four years pushing of the Russian collusion delusion. And when an unarmed protester gets killed, well, that's par for the course. Imagine, though, if it were a BLM protester and not a Trumper. Holy crap. So it's not surprising to see how the media plays this, squeezing as much juice out of one event while ignoring a crime wave. It's because the rise in crime implicates the media and the Dems. So they can't talk about it. They spent a year denying it. Some even laughed it off.
again. Yeah, Democratic cities are in chaos right now. Is this what you want from Joe Biden? And they're going <laughs> to take your country away and they're taking down the statues. And crime is rising. Crime is rising. Defund police. Oh my gosh, it's so bad. And they're defunding police. It's like. Ah. <sighs> The only time this idiot was right about something and he was being sarcastic. <laughs> By the way, I wonder if I if they get a royalty every time I play that uh, segment. At this rate, Don can finally buy his calf implants. <laughs> Fact is, the media are the most egocentric fools on the planet. Only they could say they're traumatized by one day in January where an unarmed protester died as they ignore the victims of crime around them right now every day. But if they didn't see it, then it didn't happen especially if it happened to you for fucking six years i've said they fucking hate you they hate you and a lot of people would rather just assimilate we're just gonna go with it we're just gonna get woke because they'll leave us alone or they do what i did i just left facebook i just couldn't deal it anymore this cat He's just trying to become a Democrat. He knows he's not going to get elected, so he just does crazy shit. Same with motherfucking... What's-her-name? Cheney. Then you see McCaskill. Which was more foundation-shaking to our democracy? Well, there was a lot of shit you were saying during July... Or uh, uh, September 11th, it was pretty fucking bad. And you know, this thing is so scary about it. We're about to go to September 11th. The 20th anniversary, you can guarantee they're going to shit all over. Stop blaming crime rates on defunding the police. Greg, this guy, this was actually pretty good. Greg Sargent. Politico reports the only R's eager to join 1-6 are Marjorie Green, Jim Jordan type. Serious. R's have no interest. This shows a real probe has no upside for R's. Only full fabulous insurrectionists can make this work for them. One GOP admits a Politico that no good at all will come from appointing more serious R's to the 1-6 committee. The reason is obvious. Any serious accounting can only reveal that insurrection and GOP complicity were worse than we thought. Then you have reality. Shift previews that 1-6 committee will be examined. Any advance notice Trump had of the organized violent insurrection attempt. Role of GOP members of Congress in promoting Stop the Steal. Trump conduct combos with ours during the attack. For people like Major Green and Lauren Boebert, the facts about 1-6 don't matter. That's because they're creating an alternate story. One wholly detached from reality. In this story, efforts to overturn the election contain a core of righteousness. Here's the deal. Why don't we talk about who who knew what? I mean, the most important key element is that Nancy Pelosi, Browser, and all them knew, and they did nothing. Byron York, priorities and order. The House Select Committee will be about getting Trump, getting McCarthy, and getting any other Republican who might be gettable. That's all this is about, and to carry it on for the midterms. Molly Hemingway, and I don't think I have this one. There you go. Um, people who call 
The few hour riot at the Capitol by unarmed protesters and insurrection are bad people who are harming the country, particularly so if they don't use term for the months long violent coordinated attacks on the White House, federal courthouses, and small businesses. Remember, the whole Lafayette Park was predicated by them trying to storm the fucking fence and enter the White House. The media reported that as Trump's a coward in a bunker. Some of us were paying attention. Never Trumpers didn't. They were too busy looking at CNN going, I love you now. I'm infinitely more terrified of powerful people calling the riot insurrection and rewriting reality as a ploy to seize unlimited, unaccountable power and brutally oppress their political opponents than I am of Mr. Buffalo Head or Grandma in the Rotunda or Mr. Feet on Desk. Also, to call it deadly... After spending months brazenly lying that protesters killed a cop or downplaying the fact that the only killing was of an unarmed protester by a still anonymous cop is peak propaganda. Once again, this is the thing I love about it. They know it's true because the moment you say these words, you're an insurrectionist, you're a Nazi, you're mega. No! I'm an independent. It's bullshit. You scooped up everybody who trespassed, the few who tussled with cops, because you can't tussle with a cop when you're an R, but D's can firebomb their cars and get let off because it was an emotional time. I mean, for fucking sake, people. This one. America's treatment of political dissent is sobering. In terms of the legal system, abuse of due process, the media cheering on and enabling sick tr- such treatment against their enemies, and in the political established cowardice on left and right and speaking out about it. What, what has happened to these people if you literally cared about due process? All you have to do, um, here she is. Julie Kelly, 20 questions for Pronosi about January 6th. Where is the fucking article? See, read full article. Sorry, I thought I had them open. These are real questions. It'll never happen because this is all fucking kabuki theater and we know it. One, why were requests made by USCP federal agencies under purview of Congress for extra security denied? Two, why did law enforcement, including USP and D.C. Metro, show up wearing full riot gear, including gas masks and batons? Who authorized police to attack the peaceful crowd from flashbangs, sting balls, and tear gas around 1 p.m.? Have any officers been charged with assault? Who seeded the lie that Brian Sisnick was killed in the line of duty and who told the New York Times he was murdered by a Trump mob with a fire extinguisher? Who did it? It's probably the guy that's on CNN. The guy with the little shavy beard says that Omar is pro-police? Yeah, that guy. Who were the officers caught on tape allowing protesters in the building? Who were the officers that walked past Ashley Babbitt and then the other guy shot him? That would be kind of cool. Who opened the doors on the Upper West Terrace? How many? How much damage did the buildings sustain? The architect of the Capitol originally claimed $30 million, but in court filings, government claimed it was $1.5 million. On January 7th, billions for BLM. We don't care. We don't give a fuck. On January 7th, Pelosi called for capital riots and armed insurrection. How many people have been charged with carrying a firearm? Zero. There were no weapons. 
Why was Pelosi's son-in-law reporting from the scene? How many Americans have been charged with sedition? How many Americans remain incarcerated under pre-child detention orders waiting delayed trials that won't start until 2022? The one person that went to court for medical reason got released. No time because time served. Because it's trespassing. But we've taken these people and confined them for 23 hours a day and deprogrammed them. How many Americans remain in car? Okay, uh, what, who authorized the opening of the pod in the D.C. Correctional Treatment Facility Jail for the defendant specifically who got his face crushed? Word is it was a guard and nobody was charged for it. Are there reports of mental and physical abuse of the January 6th D.C. by prison guards, including solitary confinement conditions for months on end and lack of access to defense lawyers? Some of these people don't even have lawyers because they trespassed. The vice president financed lawyers for rioters who destroyed federal buildings, people's houses, killed people, firebombed. Yeah, we financed it. Um, how many? How much money is being spent on various investigations January 6th? Should social media companies, including Facebook and Twitter, be criminally charged? Because it looks like it was Facebook. Who are the anonymous proud members of the United States Capitol Police threatening to withhold security from members of Congress who did not support a commission? How many white supremacists have been identified by law enforcement? Who shot Ashley Babbitt? It'll never happen. How about this? Letters from a D.C. jail. The rule of law for anyone involved in the event of January 6th has been flipped on its head as U.S. justice system defendants are presumed guilty before being proven innocent. The Justice Department really requests and partisan Beltway federal judges routinely approve pre-trial detention for Americans arrested for their involvement. This includes an 18-year-old high school senior and a 78-year-old Virginia farmer. It is important to emphasize the accused have languished for months in prison before their trials even have begun. Judges are being keeping defendants behind bars largely based on clips selectively produced by the government from a trove of video footage under protection seal and unavailable defense lawyers. The rule of law for anyone involved in the events January 6th has been flipped on its head. The right to speedy trial, the right to participate in one's own defense are ignored. Even having a defense lawyer. The Justice Department and federal judges have also continued to lie in court about the number of fatalities of January 6th in order to make the events seem far worse than it actually was. A Senate report issued this week also repeated the falsehood that seven individuals, including three law enforcement officers, lost their lives. But federal prosecutors and Beltway judges, many of whom were involved in the nonstop criminal hunt against President Trump and his associates for four years, are wasting no time doling out severe punishment for those dared to challenge the incoming regime. Take, for example, Judge Bennett C. Sullivan, the judge who refused to dismiss the case against National Security Advisor Michael Flynn, even though both parties sought to do so. Sullivan is presiding over a handful of capital breach cases. Last month, he denied a request made by Jonathan Mellis behind bars in D.C. jail since February awaiting trial to attend his father's funeral in Virginia. Mellis faced several charges, including allegations he attempted to strike a police officer with a stick. Again, this is based on only evidence presented by the government. Nothing has been converted into truth. Mellis's 80-year-old father was decorated Warren Vet, blah, blah, blah. Judge Sullivan's concurred, although the court is sensitive to the news of his father's death. We can't trust him because they might get out and do bad things. Every day I hear from a detainees and their family members about the conditions in the jail. Some pre- predict prison staff are making life miserable in order to provoke an uprising that will be recorded and used as additional propaganda to show the violent tendencies of these grandparents. <clears throat> 
Here are just a few examples. In order to protect the individual's safety, American greatness is concealing identities. We have no fewer than five combat vets out of wreck at any one time. The problem is, if the other cell block breaks in and starts a massive brawl, we would be blamed to the media. Many are concerned guards will allow the junior population to attack us. We are white. They are not. We are conservative. They are not. They can do whatever they want. We cannot. If they bust in here and cause problems, we would be accused of racism. My son has been and experienced some very inhumane abuse in jail. He has been denied bond at least twice. While others from the day are already home waiting trial, I don't know what to do or where to turn. This kid has been in lockup for over four months, 23 hours per day. Rapists, murderers, actual criminals are treated better than him. When he first arrived, he was put in a cell for 96 straight hours and not allowed out. Then they moved into a pod with all the capital defendants and into roughly five and ten cells for 23 hours a day. All of this I'm saying is fact and truth and can be verified from them. Christopher Ray repeatedly assured the House Judiciary Committee that AG has one standard of justice for all political prisoners, unless he can point a prison in the nation's capital, specifically use House Antifa and Black Lives Matter, because he can't. It doesn't happen. It's not there. Deprogramming of January 6th defendants is underway. Sorry, I locked up. Uh, it's not going to let me see this, is it? Uh, I think it fucked up. Hold on. Trying to get this read full article. Yeah, I pushed the wrong thing. <laughs> <clears throat> and once again, I'm reading this because where is the opposite? Why isn't the other side getting this? Their goals are worse than these. They wanted to stop the certification of election. BLM and Antifa want to end the country. They're Marxists. They say so. My lawyer has given me names of books and movies to help me see what life is like for others in our country. I believe even though we live in a wonderful country, things will be due to improve it. The passage part of book report, part white privilege mea culpa, submitted to a federal court this month by Ann Morgan Lloyd, one of the more than 500 American arrested for her involvement. It's now 500. And the event at U.S. Capitol on January 6th. The 49-year-old grandmother of five from southern Indiana was charged with four counts. Because she wrote this, she was released. She was let go. It's very interesting. Very interesting. Then you see out in Target. Conservative Twitter's all over this. I highly recommend reading the quote tweets from a deeper understanding of how many Americans view SF, the left, and blah, blah, blah. A city councilman is called out because literally... They're looting, and she says, yeah, it's bullshit. It's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. This stuff is just, it is enraging. Because from a neutral perspective, this is bad. The insurrection. The trespassing. This is horrible. Billions of dollars of damage. We have destroyed cities, businesses, 
People were murdered. Cops were firebarred and murdered. Federal buildings, police precincts, the fucking White House. There's no incarceration. And they've tied it all. Voter ID, James Clyburn told me he's absolutely open to voter ID requirements. They're just changing their mind as they go along. Because now, they just want to keep a hold of that power. It's all power. This is what they think of you. Race car crashes a Georgia track, killing audience member. One less Trump supporter. That's a fucking journalist. That's a fucking journalist. This is can be no better. Police said the girls, 13 and 15, this is the Uber driver, was murdered by two black girls. Everybody saw it. An Uber Eats driver with a taser while carjacking him, which led to the accident in which he was fatally injured. That's how they wrote it. What was the headline? 14-year-old sentenced to juvenile detention over carjacking of Uber Eats driver. Carjacking. They were murdered. He was murdered, but they called it carjacking. Quote, white liberals are more left-wing than black and Hispanic Democrats on pretty much every issue. Democratic pollster Davis Shore argues in a New York magazine on it. Right now, things are going so well for the Democrats. A f- refund the police guy won after all sorts of stupid fucking shit, but okay. It's all tied. They're tying it all in while gas prices are out the fucking roof. This is my favorite. This is my favorite right here. This sums it all up 100 percent because now the most important thing i believe we can do is start fighting back by obstructing every possible thing that you can do Because there's no way we can let these people, after seeing what they're doing, continue to run this country. You just can't. You can't let them do it. So some ash and trash. We'll finish it up. That song I played in the last podcast, Rockin' and Through. So my friend, Aaron Lewis. Got to shake his hand once. He's a good dude. You're not the only one. The Biden administration domestic terrorism strategy is an announcement that they're coming for you. This is all over the place. Who's next? If they can do all this to some people who trespassed, social media is sequestering anybody who doesn't think like them. What is next? What's next? How far will they take it? I'm going to save this article for next podcast because I'm kind of running along. And we're going to read it because it's a really good one. I already skimmed it once.
This is how they're dealing with crime. They just want to go after you. That's all they want. Go after you. Take your gun. Not one media is covering this. Worrying news from Afghanistan, the Taliban has taken control of 10% of the country in the last six days alone. According to FDD, in total, the Taliban now controls 188 of 407 districts and contests another 135. They only control 20% of the country now. And then you get into these ones, and I hope I got this. We don't want no more police, no justice, no peace, mostly peaceful protests, gun control is a crisis of public health. Just to remind us, the same people are making all four points completely without noticing how they interact. I don't know how that is accomplished. We're going to let you know that we will attack you. No justice, no peace, that we want the police who would protect you abolished. No more police and our press will cover it up. Mostly peaceful protesters while we make self-defense a mental illness. I've previously been for some sensible gun control and I don't even understand this all. There is simply no way to make all these arguments and not notice that the totality of them demand people live in a state of total physical vulnerability without even a press report. It's true because you are bad you're evil for bringing up that he had to use a note to speak about it president biden ended his trip in michigan with a trip to a local ice cream spot he ordered vanilla ice cream with chocolate chips and a waffle cone and made sure to get two scoops It's very subtle, but if you have trained eye and thoroughly understanding of the literature and an academic background in media ecology, you can detect a slight difference in the way that the media covered the previous president and his two scoops. And I want to end before we do a little media bump and go into this story alone on the media. They spied on Tucker once again. They spied on him. Because he was trying to talk to Putin. They did not spy on NBC News. It says everything you need to know. This is not how democracies run. Can we say you have a 20-year career with impeccable credentials? Let's talk about the 1619 Project, because the New York Times did issue a clarification, not a correction. They said they've stood by you. There was a clarification. What was the clarification, and how, what is your response to the criticism? Sure. So the clarification was that we added two words uh, to a statement on the role of slavery in the American Revolution. The what original the text, yeah. right, the original text said that uh, one of the primary reasons that colonists decided to break off from the British Empire was to preserve slavery. We added that one of the primary reasons that some of the colonists decided to break off. It was a clarification. And I think, you know, in academia and in journalism, we should clarify if necessary. That's never been seen uh, somehow as making a project illegitimate because you try to strengthen and clarify your argument. You're going to Howard and saying no to UNC after they belatedly offered you tenure. Do you think that that's going to spark more young people to change the vision in their minds to Howard? I certainly hope so. And I know that ta hopes so as well. I mean, look, I chose Notre Dame because I felt as a black woman, I had to have this certain credential that they uh, if I wanted 
white society believed that I was actually intelligent and capable, then I didn't need to have an elite white institution on my resume. And I hated my time at Notre Dame. It was traumatizing. I haven't been back there since 1999. It's the first place I was ever called. The N-word was... Well, on, on your second question, uh, Matt, I think you're actually uh, confusing uh, different things here. Uh, these are apples and oranges. Yes, we uh, changed quite a few uh, U.S. policies across a number of fronts. Uh, but I think you would be hard-pressed to find an international agreement that the United States signed on to uh, during the last administration uh, that this administration has jettisoned, done away with. Uh, this is the point uh, that we have made in any number of How different... How about the Geneva Protocol on the anti-abortion stuff? This, this was the point that we have made on any number uh, of uh, steps about uh, the importance of the durability of uh, American foreign policies uh, American foreign policy across administrations. How about the agreements with the Northern Tri with, with Mexico and the Northern Triangle? Those are international agreements that you That dude's done because he just dick slapped him. And it's so true. So all the consternation we went through about Nicole Hannah Jones, she gets her tenure and then she tells him to fuck off. And I want you to know, do you really believe she was called the N-word at Notre Dame? No, she wasn't. Mm -mm. That's a lie. You meet Yael Cinder. We pay her salary. So many lessons for my friend Hannah Jones this morning. Go where you're embraced, celebrated, valued, and supported. Go where you don't have to fight for people to see your brilliance. And avoid spaces if they barely, barely tolerate you, even if they're familiar or beloved. Which brings us to Caitlin Jones. I'm not reading more of her. The horrifying rise of total mass media blackouts on inconvenient news stories. What's been communicated to whistleblowers and journalists in these blackouts is don't bother. It won't make any difference because no one will ever see what you reveal. Two different media watches, uh, Matt Lenz and blah, 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 published articles on the complete blackout mainstream news institution on the revelation that U.S. prosecution against Assange relied on false terror t testimony. A search online for either Assange or Thornton will list zero relevant articles for establishment sources. As we discussed the other day, this weird, creepy media blackout has parallels with another leak blackout on a different major news story, which also involved WikiLeaks, the OPCW stem st scandal. Make no mistake, this is most certainly a new phenomenon. If you don't believe me, contrast the blackout on these stories with the mass media coverage of WikiLeaks revelation a few short years ago. We also caught a strong whiff of this new trend in the near total blackout of Hunter Biden's laptop. And her thing is amazing when you go through this article and she lists so many things. I, I could do a whole show on it. And I'm keeping this article for another show because there is some media that goes with it. And it's really, really good. Silence, a mass bleak out of Assage. Then you get to uh, my favorite of them all. Is it? Sorry. Hiding Biden from tough questions hurts him more than helps him. Then she goes to ex-Clinton staffer recalls surreal experience of trying to warn email-obsessed press about Russia meddling. Jeffrey Tubin says he regrets role-playing in the Clinton email story, which was a real thing. What comes next after New York Times report admits becoming an unwitting agent of Russian intelligence? 
and she links all these amazing things, and then you hear this one. This former Murdoch exec hasn't worked for Fox in more than 30, 24 years. He barely crossed paths with the creation of Fox News in 96. He then spent decades working for Disney. This complete, completes none of this relevant information. <clears throat> this dude who worked for Fox in the 90s and the Daily Beast gave a platform to him to call Fox News poison today seems to have found some poison of its own elsewhere. And this is a manufactured story done by the Daily Beast and CNN to say that there was some horribleness to all this. Noah Shackward, you really have to read this from one of Rupert's trusted lieutenants. Murdoch exec, over the past nine months, I've ever tried with increasing bluntness to get Rupert in and understand that the real damage that Fox News is doing to America. I failed, and it was arrogant and naive to ever thought he would succeed. Trusted lieutenants? Steve Krakar. This, Brian Seltzer was just loving this. Uh, this former Murdoch exec hasn't worked for fucking, since the 90s. But they, they wanted this to be real. They went an all in on this shit. He upgraded it. It's so important. They made up a story. In walks the AP. Really? Do you think we didn't watch the election? Do you think we didn't? What the fuck? Partisanship beyond D.C. partisanship. And then you see stuff like this. Oh, I'm not going to do the t- this. Not that one either. This one. Look at this. This is how they do it. This is how they've always done it. We reported on this show during the 2016 election, Hillary Clinton had farms of sycophants who would go around the internet and attack attack people. I was one of them. I said something about second trimester abortion, saying that I was pro-choice minus. I was hounded for 10 days. And I said I didn't want to even get rid of abortion, but they were all over it because this is what they do. And if you read the verbiage, and I'll expound it, these are the same tweets but they're all over the place. This is how Republicans want to defund came out of any, every one of your media's mouth. Successes? What success? He didn't make his quote on fucking shots. He went after right-wing people. He keeps talking about white supremacists, yet there's no white supremacist violence. There's lefty violence everywhere. He was for defunding the fucking police before he wasn't for it. But that's our media, man. They don't fucking give a shit. You have this article. I mean, this is just fucking peak. This this is what is racist in our society. What we're seeing right now is a culture identity crisis that we're undergoing as a community that's completely splitting and dividing Latino. Paolo Ramos said about Latinos decreasing support for Democrats. Do D's assume that black and Latino communities are somehow always on the same page? I don't see it, especially at local level where competitions or scarce resources are a real thing. Immigration is another issue where D's completely misread these constituencies. Gonna get burned. 
Nobody in the media wants to cover. This is how we had the Freddie May Mac bullshit. The bubble. I think I fucked those names up. They're going to do it again. Instead of reporting that, you need to rat on your friends because they didn't get the test. We're going to go door to door. I mean, this is the kind of shit that leads us to our everything is fucking racist. It is all tied into the religion of CRT. Everything is racist. Everything is racist according to me. Everything is racist. Everything is racist. Everything is racist according to me. Everything is racist. Something positive for chemical found in cannabis. She's acknowledged she smoked marijuana to cope with the death of her mother, and she says she accepts the punishment. She will not be able to compete in the 100-meter dash at the Olympics. This comes after the International Swimming Federation barred the use of certain swim caps designed for use by athletes of color. That's led to allegations that some Olympic rules are written in a way that can lead to discrimination. We're joined now by Jamel Hill, a contributor and writer for The Atlantic. She is also host of Jamel Hill, is unbothered on Spotify. Hey. Good morning, Jamel. Always good to see you. I know that you recently tweeted about the Olympics and said this is sending a quote message uh, to black women. What message is that that you It's very apparent here by all of the parents that have spoken that this board and the school district is failing. Um, more importantly, I came here to talk about critical race theory. This theory was never meant to be brought into grade schools, high schools, at all. It's actually taught in the collegiate atmosphere, and more importantly, the legal portion of the collegiate atmosphere, to see different laws through the lens of race from an ethics and, and, and an ethical standpoint, right? not for grade schools and high schoolers. The problem with bringing it to high school and grade school level is that we don't have the educators to properly teach these kids. Instead, they're using it as their own agenda to indoctrinate the kids to hate each other. And whether you believe that to be true or not, the reality is that's what's happening. Critical race theory is teaching that white people are bad. That's not true. That would teach my daughter that her mother is evil. You already have an educator within your staff that has pulled my daughter aside and said, well, you're a minority, so you know better than to engage in certain things. Wow. 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 When I was brought to the school's attention, nothing happened to the educator. Instead, my daughter was brought in, and she was ridiculed. So my question is now, with critical race theory being brought in, what is your criteria to educate the educators? Republican politicians have been framing this theory as a threat to American children, and legislators in more than 12 states have proposed bills to ban it. Weingarten says her union is prepared to stand up for any member who is punished for teaching lessons on race and racism. CNN's Ellie Reeves spoke with a teacher who uses critical race theory and looked at how backlash to this framework has exploded. So, Ellie, do these vocal opponents of critical race theory actually understand fully what it is? No. And why should they? It's an academic theory mostly taught at the grad student level. But what they think it means is teaching white kids that all white people are bad and racist. 
And so, of course, they're afraid of that. Can it influence the way that some teachers teach? Uh, yeah, but that's a good thing, right? Because race and racism is literally the building box of this country. So how can you not talk about it? Critical race theory is an academic framework that says racial inequality is perpetuated by the racism embedded in America's laws, not by individual bigotry. But relentless propaganda from some conservatives has created a panic that white people, and especially white children, are under attack. Anti-CRT propaganda is drawing big crowds. Of course I'm against critical race theory. More than 100 people showed up at this diner near Baltimore, where local Republican groups held a panel on school COVID shutdowns and CRT. What is critical race theory? Uh, critical race theory is the idea that's taught to uh, our nation's youth that the way that you're born uh, contributes to the amount of success that you can achieve in this country. It basically states that white people are born with everything, and if you're not white, you're born with nothing. Can you name any critical race theory scholars? Probably not. Can you name any critical race theory concepts? I, I don't know what the concepts are. I, I think I... I, think I I think I summarized critical race theory as a whole pretty well. To paint the country as a inherently racist country from its founding, I think is dangerous. The three-fifths compromise is written into the Constitution in which slaves are counted as three-fifths of a person. Of course, and that was applied at an earlier time. That is not the case now, obviously. Well, you, you just mentioned the founding of the country, so... Well, yeah, it wasn't perfectly written in the Constitution. When did you first hear about critical race theory? Mm, sometime around last year. Where'd you see it? I'm on Fox News. So we got Jamel Hill saying rules are racist. We have another African-American saying CRT's bad, and then CNN going out and bullying people. Bullying the parents. She says it's not taught in schools. That's the CNN clip. This is her tweets back to back. Because I want to make sure we, we hammer this home. These are her tweets back to back. It is not taught. Then she says it is taught. So which one is the truth? Which one is the truth? I really want to know. I really want to know. This fucking shit is unbelievable. Because now it's in fucking Raytheon. They launched this really political indoctrination program, teaching employees to judge each other on the basis of race, asking employees actually to identify one another on the basis of race during conversations. They provided specific rules for white employees, how to speak to black employees. Uh, And they even said that employees should reject the principle of equality and in favor equality of outcomes, which is a synonym for socialism, maybe communism. Uh, And it's really astonishing because this is one of the largest corporations in the world. It manufactures key defense armaments, and yet it has been captured by this woke ideology that seems to be now the dominant force, not only in education and in government, uh, but also in business. Uh, I'm exposing it, uh, and all Americans should be deeply concerned about what I've found. 
We're always happy to talk to you. I, I'll just be honest with you, though. In your place time, we tried to, to book the little girl, the Vietnamese girl, Napalm Girl, who in 1972 was, was napalm by the defense contractors to kind of get her take on this. Is she happy that they're woke? Have they, have they sent her any money? I mean, for a defense contractor to talk like this, I assume it's all run by white men who were not stepping aside and giving their jobs to people of color. Is that, am, am I getting warmer here? Yeah, that's that's right. I mean, it's absolutely hypocritical. You look at it across a range of companies that have been exposed with this stuff. I think the best way to think about this, Tucker, is think of it as a protection racket, similar to the mob, the mafia. Uh Eddie, let me let me tell you, this is interesting, and it's something that uh, people won't say when they're on the television set. They won't say at polite dinner parties. I'm not sure why they whisper it or text it or email it to me. But member liberal members of the mainstream media, Democrats that are huge contributors to the Democratic Party, and even people that like work for Democrats. I've heard over the past three or four years, I've got to get my kid out of this private school. They're teaching my seven-year-old boy that because he's white, he's you know a racist, he's part of the pro, et cetera, et cetera. I'm. I don't know if you've heard the same thing. I've heard the same thing. Mm. And and again, it's anecdotal, but it sure does seem to match with more and more stories that are going out there. How do we how do we sort through all of this and make sure that we don't uh, throw out teaching about slavery and teaching about racism over the past 400 years that we don't throw that out with uh, a war against uh, critical race theory uh, and its extremes. Right, it's going to be. It's we're going to make mistakes. They're going to be people. They're going to be extremes. They're going to be moments of overreach. I grant that. But part of what we have to do in this moment, Joe, and we've talked about this, is to confront the ugliness of who we are. And part of what I hear in these sorts of arguments is this sense in which that confrontation must be one where we're comfortable where we feel good about right. who we are who we are after we confront it. So in some ways, I get, let me, let me just, I'm, I'm, I'm scooting up in my chair, Joe, because I'm getting upset. Because we're mm -hmm. seeing right now in real time a reassertion of the lie. The very thing that keeps us from becoming a different America because we don't want to accept who we are. What wait, we've wait, wait, done. Wait, but, but, but a reassertion of a reassertion, though, of what life this, I, I, okay, wait, I can believe in two Americas. I can believe uh, that 1776 and 1619 uh, can be merged together, that you can believe two things at once. I could disagree with critical race theory, but still believe what you and I have talked about, mm -hmm. that we have a long way to go to being a just uh, a, a country uh, in the way that uh, the founding document said we were going to be. Right. I mean, do I have to choose one or the other? No, 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 no. So part of what I'm thinking is that if once you concede the initial claim that America in some ways comes into being in light of this extraordinarily uh, painful reality, the contradiction that is at the heart of our beginnings. Once you concede that, the way in which you begin to think right. about American exceptionalism shifts, right? Because it's not this idea that we, we are wholly innocent, that we're absolved of our sins, right. that recognizing who we are somehow con condemns us to, to hell, as it were, that right. we're being bludgeoned by, by, by our sins and made to feel guilty. That's not what we're saying at all. But we're saying that you have to confront it in order to release us into a different future. I want to say this really quickly. 
This sort of argument, this sort of argument is happening right now. And I want us to link it to January 6th. I want us to link it to the attack on voting rights. This is, in effect, in my view, Joe, an attempt to arrest substantive change in the They fucking make bombs. So it's everywhere. It has infiltrated every fucking facet of our world because people are so fucking scared. Joy Reid, critical race theory is only taught in law school. NEA, actually, critical race theory is our number one priority, and we want to implement it in all 50 states and 14,000 local school districts. Somehow that picture didn't pop up. Sorry. The nation's largest teaching unit has approved a plan to promote critical race theory in all 50 states and 40,000 local districts. The argument that critical race theory isn't in K-12 school is officially dead. It's dead. People need to see that CRT is the basis for DEI training and the demonization of all whites and victimized POC. State-sanctioned racism is happening right before our eyes. This message must be refined and clearly presented until the truth will be obscured. And it's happening everywhere. Everywhere. People are done with it. This is what fascism looks like. So shortly after I published this, the National Education Association took down the web pages showing the org vote in favor of critical race theory. They hit it. It's just like BLM. But what's WAPO doing? Why? How and why Loudoun County? And in this article, they infer it's GOP dark money. And then you get stories like this fucking hot shit. If California education officials have their way, generations of students may not know how to calculate an apartment square footage or the area of a farm field, but the mathematics of political agitation and organization will be second nature to them. Encouraging those gifted in math to shine will be a distant memory. This will be the result of a proposed mathematics curriculum framework which would guide K-12 instruction in the Golden State's public schools as approved by California Instructional Quality Commission in this meetings this week and in August and ratified by the State Board of Education later this year. The framework recommends eight times that teachers use a troubling document, a pathway to equitable math instruction, dismantling racism in mathematics instruction. This manual claims that teachers addressing students' mistakes forthright is a form of white supremacy. Where'd that come from? The Wall Street Journal. Colleges everywhere. They're going to speak. National American Federation of Teachers. D'Angelo and Kendi X. Yeah. Well, why not? Why not? We disagree on a lot of things, except the dangers of anti-critical race theories with the New York Times ran. Yeah, okay. Here's a black man. I don't have time to banter back and forth while woke black social justice justicians who in 2021 America act as if they were refugees from the Underground Railroad, all while using the iOS and Android devices to tweet uncumbered about how oppressed they are. Give me a break. Critical race theory has never been about discussing racism. Read critical race theorists themselves and you'll quickly learn in their own words that critical race theory is about bringing to pass an entire worldview. CRT is not only sociological, it's basically a religion. 
There was a time in America where the concept of blackness was predominantly an ethno-cultural idea, but today blackness has taken on an entirely different aspect and what is no longer enough to just be black ethno-culturally, you must also be black and angry about everything. Then you have these people, and these are the people that are teaching it. When you snap back, they just call you a racist because they don't want to talk about stuff. You know, talking and discussing or proving their point, we haven't done that in decades in our country. The left has always just said you're racist, sexist, homophobe, transphobe. They just put isrobes on you and shut you the fuck up. Dear states who passed the anti-history laws, see what they do? Are teachers no longer allowed to let their students read the Frederick Douglass speech? This one of the most important speeches in American history addresses the hypocrisy and cruelty of slavery. You're banning that. You're banning that. You don't think that uncomfortable parts should be taught, but in your fascist march to whitewash history with your anti-history laws, you can erase what has existed and that racism still persists. And what's really stopping you people from reading these speeches, learning this history, the same people who freaked when a few Dr. Seuss books were pulled because of racist content don't want students to read this speech. See, who's the fascist? What what to the American slave, blah, 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 blah. I stand in solidarity with all history teachers who will allow their students to read and evaluate this powerful speech in the goal of history class to truly understand America and help us live up with the ideals set forth in July 4th, 1776 speech like this are crucial. Who else is with me? Let's make sure we protect our history teachers this upcoming school year. We owe it to young people. We owe it to our country. That is my July 4th message. Now, first and foremost, let's let us understand. You said you're not going back to school unless everybody's inoculated. So you're not even working. So what the fuck are you talking about? P.S. This message applies to all K-12 educators who teach these essential texts and readings and concepts, not just history teachers. I see a lot of people from the right wing freaking out about this thread. Here's an article. Anyone who happened to see it retweets and comment explaining CRT bans, a.k.a. bans on teaching about racism. Anti-history laws. Nobody has passed any anti-history laws. If you were right, you wouldn't have to lie. This is obvious a lie. There has not been one proposed law that would ban anyone from teaching this Douglas speech. The fact that this person would lie about it, what is actually happening like this, doesn't exactly inspire trust in their fitness to teach. So Sarah Beth Rose tried to respond to a factual assertion with an opinion piece, also lying about what is happening and what people are concerned about. Then she blocked me. Again, if they, these people can't be trusted to discuss issues honestly, they can't be trusted to teach your kid. People are objecting to the neo-racist propaganda being taught to kids. Left knowing they can't defend the substance of those ideas, the public parents has reacted by, one, arguing we aren't defining what, uh, that propaganda correctly, two, lying about what is being objective. Now we can argue about what to do about those objections, bans, etc., but that requires an honest discussion about the substance. Whether you call it CRT is purely semantics, and no one is proposing banning discussions of slavery or the history of racism. Just to emphasize how dishonest the original tweet claiming there is an attempt to ban teaching of Douglas here in Texas Bill Enrolled, Notice anything about documents listed as essential parts of curriculum? Any comments? They are trying to whitewash history, banning us from teaching Frederick Dozens. 
actual law. It's essential that you teach kids about the writings of Frederick Douglass. They just lie. And it's so ingrained. I hate this lady. She does football on ESPN. Hate her. Fucking hate her. Rachel Nichols. This is what she said, and she's been removed from NBA coverage. I wish Maria Taylor, a black woman, all the success in the world. She covers football. She covers basketball. Basketball, Nichols said last July. We need to give her more things to do because you are feeling pressure about your crappy long-time record on diversity, which, by the way, I myself know personally from the female side of it. Like, go for it. Just find it somewhere else. You're not going to find it from me and taking my things away. So because she stood up for herself and that person was a black person, she's gone. She's gone like donkey fucking Kong. She's just gone. She doesn't exist anymore. Because this is what they do. And it's not just the regular media. Here's the lady of social media. Oh, I mean, so first of all, Facebook has been very not upfront about this entire initiative. They um, said that they're trying to curb extremism. They don't have a definition for extremism. Um, and the group that they're partnering with um, to surveil Facebook users for extremism is actually a group called Life After Hate. And their sole focus is, quote, far right extremism, um, which they say mm. is the greatest threat to the United States. Um, and so that it's, it's really it's it's. The bias is, is there. If you do the digging, you can see that, that, that there is only a certain type of people that are being targeted by this. Um, and I asked Facebook, I reached out to them, I said, are you guys interested in far left wing extremism? And um, they wouldn't say. I said, are you interested in BLM or Antifa? BLM is responsible for 95% of violent writing last year. And they wouldn't say. Um, so it's obvious who's being targeted by this. It's obvious that this is political and not about democracy or extremism. But more than that, this, they are a platform. They're not supposed to be publishers. They're not even supposed to be re-educating people in this sort of Orwellian way. And so that's why it's so concerning and, and really mm-hmm. weird. On- that um, I taught is the first class of a unit. And this is where we establish ground rules. So let's jump in. I'm sharing my screen right here. Discussion rules. I don't know how many of you know this book, Jason Reynolds, Long Way Down. Y'all know this one? All right. This is a phenomenal book. In this, he starts out the entire book by saying three rules, the three rules of the neighborhood. You have three rules. One, no crying, no matter what. Two, no snitching. And three, revenge. So when we talk about the three ground rules, these are the three ground rules of the neighborhood. Are these the three ground rules that you deal with in real life? For the most part, yes. All right. No snitching. What's said in this class? Don't lead this class. The second part's an instructor teaching high school students. Yeah. That's just, you know, it's everything. It's everything we're doing. I mean, just some quick hits right here. Everything. Forest fires and climate change is because 
They're causing them. Nope, that's not what you're going to hear. You're going to hear Colin Christ Dems have a year to save the planet. They have all these um, underfunded. It's the their policy. Facebook hash revolution. Gas prices through the roof. This is pretty funny from the B. They're going to do a 16 cents coin. Everything they talk about is fucking propaganda. It's all propaganda. It is not grounded on anything. Anything. They don't even defend it. Washington Post. By exoticizing a food, even though it's actually accessible, you're assigning a value that lowers the status quo. I would love to see a poll on this. I'd bet the vast majority of people don't associate exotic with lower value. Yeah, we're falsely associating exotic to being less than. To me, the word exotic is something else. But it's xenophobia and racism to cook exotic foods. New York Times critic on white audience excluded from end of play. Honestly, I don't care. They did a plane that made white people leave. I don't even know how to cover some of this stuff. I, I just sometimes I just stare at it and go, what the fucking fuck? How? Why? What? If it was the opposite, if there was a push from the conservatives to teach kids about Christianity. They would be up in arms. It wouldn't happen. So we end on This is America. You're going to have Andy, Randy Weinhart, who says there is no CRT, now saying she's going to defend CRT. You have COVID cases just in Republican states because the media and the CDC still just talk about Republican states. We're not talking about the 25% of BIPOC They're still going after NASCAR. They'll be at your doorstep. And Joy Reid just gaslighting. Just lying. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. It's time for the worst soundbite. When the liberal media is pushing one of them a gender story and says, This is America. 2021. Yeah, this is America. Runs in my area. In high schools, elementary schools, and middle schools, we do not teach CRT. CRT is a theory in law school or in college that analyzes law and says, is there systemic racism that was attached to these laws or the effects of systemic racism? What we teach in high school or elementary school or middle school is we teach history. Nice to see you. Hello, John. Well, Dr. Anthony Fauci says that 99.2% of all coronavirus deaths are coming from unvaccinated people. That's a stark number. It's a very stark number. And, you know, what's so amazing when you look at the map right now of who is fully vaccinated, you just see these great contrasts across the country. Right. What do we see? We see in the southern United States that, you know, states like Mississippi, right, only about 30 percent of folks are vaccinated at this particular point. You know, and you can see here when you look across the country in terms of adults, you see that just 58 percent 
of um, all adults are fully vaccinated. There are all these people out there who have just decided for whatever reason that they don't want to get the vaccine. And a greater percentage of deaths and cases at this point are coming by and large from the parts of the country that are unvaccinated? That's exactly that's exactly right. You know, when we look across the country, what do we see? We see that in the Trump states, for example, the states that Donald Trump won, only about 40 percent of all Americans are fully vaccinated. What we also see across those states is that when you take an average across all of them, I believe that the increase in the case rate over the last seven days is something like 20 percent versus in the Biden states where you have 53 percent of Americans fully vaccinated. You see in those states that the rate of case rate change has stayed the same. So we see that in the Trump states where less people are vaccinated, case rates are rising, while in the Biden states where more people are vaccinated, case rates are in fact not rising at this point. We begin the readout tonight with the insidious underbelly of the GQP culture war. Right now, in this summer before the next round of elections, Democrats across the country are preparing to run as they would normally run. But whether they realize it or not, they are running headlong into a cultural wood chipper. Because Republicans aren't running an election, they're waging an all-out war for power that increasingly is based on and steeped in the Trump cult and even white nationalism. And no matter how reckless and dangerous that is, they're doing it believing it will move white voters. Look no further than the ongoing hysteria over race-conscious education, what they are shamelessly and falsely misrepresenting as critical race theory. Radicalized parent activists across the country are targeting school boards with behind-the-scenes help from conservative groups. So the goal now is to terrify those white voters into voting for a party that is offering nothing on policy. Zip. Zero. Nothing. for outdoor man here to talk about scare tactics sadly they work i'm just enjoying some mixed nuts oh. <laughs> you see the part of the brain that triggers fear works faster than the part that controls reason for some people little kids who are afraid of the dark and certain son-in-laws are afraid of well just about everything the reason part of the brain never really kicks in as a contrast animals don't have reason that's why the stupid coyote always ends up in mid-air holding that stick of dynamite <laughs> And that's why my dog panics. Every time the doorbell rings, he goes nuts. And I tried to explain to him, listen, burglars don't ring the doorbell. And just get that look from the dog. <laughs> Human beings are blessed with reason. But it's harder to use it when the media bombards you with terrifying images. Tsunamis, plane crashes, the new Colonel Sanders. <laughs> that's why I'm declaring Outdoor Man a fear-free zone. Because we don't sell fear. We sell courage. We sell engagement between man and nature in the form of kayaks, climbing gear, and on sale this month, casting rods. You see, the world is kind of the opposite of Hillary Clinton. It actually gets less scary the better you know it. I'll leave you with a quote. Fearless is not the absence of fear. Fearless is living in spite of those things that scare you to death. Now, what great philosopher said that? Aristotle? Schopenhauer? Descartes? No, it, it was Taylor Swift. If that ain't scary, I don't know what is. So which is it? Randy Weinhardt says that we're not, and then she says on TV we're not. I guess my camera just moved, sorry. Then she says we are fearing people to vote for a party that offers them nothing. That was Joy Reid's exact statement. 
That's exactly what the Democrats have done for African-Americans my adult life. Black-on-black crime. They don't incarcerate people with guns. They're releasing people to just keep putting pain on African-Americans. CDC. How sick do you have to be that as a scientist reporter for the for CNN, you equate red and blue states, and there it is in a nutshell. See, the problem with the left is they spend all their time doing as I close with Mike Baxter. I'm going to play a lot of his blogs. I found a website. I've always wanted to play his blogs because they're straight on. They fear monger everybody. But as they're doing it, they give away the game. The game on COVID was always win an election, blame Trump. We didn't do that for H1N1. We didn't do it with Obama that 61 million people got. We didn't even count the deaths from that. We didn't. CRT. Everybody knows they even admit it. It is their religion. They know human beings need religion. How do you get religion? You make a religion. You don't argue the religion. You don't define the religion. You do, the, the, the guy that has never Trumpers reading his book can't even define racism. We played it on the show. And you keep getting fear. Talk about fear. You have told African-Americans since Barack Obama got elected the second time, because that's when we went into overdrive, they're going to put you back in chains. There are white supremacists all over this country, and there are people that fly this flag. They're coming to get you. Knowing that's not the truth, they're just driving around with the flag. It's fucking D-Day. It's fear. The only way they get minorities to go to the poll and vote for them, because I don't care who you are. I don't care if you have a Harvard degree and you're black. I don't care if you're selling crack on a street corner. You could look at your city like Maxine Waters and go, what the fuck has that lady ever done for us? I'm not saying you can't say the same thing for Republicans. I'm just saying Republicans aren't going, elect me or a phantom beast is going to come and get you. And now they're going to carry it out with door-to-door vaccinations on people, not taking care of blacks again. Your whole premise was that COVID disproportionately affected black people. Your whole premise for you to defend why they're not getting vaccinated because you scared the shit out of them with Tuskegee is that they can't get vaccinations, even though it's free at every CVS and Walgreens. Free. Walmart. Kroger. You name it, it's free. You were you scaremongered every voting law's Jim fucking Crow, and then after the polls are allowed to change your views. You said defund the police, and then people are dying everywhere, and now you blame the Republicans for your policy. They don't care about minorities. They don't care about anything but power how they're going to win the next election. And then when they win that election, they get even worse. They go bat shit 
crazy, scaremongering, fearing, because that's how they get people to vote. You're not going to vote for the people that don't really do anything for you. Your life hasn't improved. Your job hasn't improved. Your neighborhood hasn't improved. Nothing has improved. You just fear monger. Sorry, I'm looking for a article. Somehow I lost an article and I don't know where the hell it is. Shit. I can't find it. You fear monger. That's your plan. Tell them that something bad's coming. And over the top of it, you take January 6th, you equate it to 9-11, Civil War, D-Day, and it's worse than everything that happened in these people's neighborhood, where now they don't have any place to go to get food, groceries, booze, or anything, because it all got burned to the fucking ground. Especially in Minneapolis. Folks. I think Mac Baxter says it the best. We are inundated to hate our country and be fearful of something else. If you're white, it's crime. It's terrorism. If you're black, it's the entire country. Every fucking institution that Democrats are in charge of right now, by the way. And more and more, the CRT is shown to just be that. It's just like the January 6th fucking committees. It's just fear-mongering. All it's going to do is make more violence, more division in this country, because the only way they win is dividing us against each other and making us hate something. Because whether you're a Republican, an Independent, or a Democrat... How in the fuck can you not say, what have they done for us lately? And that wraps up another episode of Flyover Politics Podcast. Please share this with your family and friends. Go to FOPPodcast.com. While you're there, you can see all the episodes that are still up. I think I got about seven videos. And every audio I've ever done with links to Rumble and SoundCloud. Make sure you disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah yeahs. We're going to shoot for 19th, or I'm sorry, 12th or 13th of July, year of our Lord, 2020. Um, I got an appointment at the 12th. I probably will do an afternoon one, but we might go someplace. So it's either going to be the 12th or the 13th for our next podcast. Until then, disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah yeahs. And I thank you all for listening and take care. Mm-hmm.